welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, my partners in the Red Butt City Coffee Roasters business, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, I'm enjoying a hot cup of Red Butt City coffee this morning. I hope you are as well. Piper, tell the listeners where they can find this great coffee. If you go to redbudcoffee.com, you can find it. Um, I, I have about a quarter of a pot of uh, the Kenyan roast sitting, mm. waiting for me when we finish this, because I've, I've already drunk three quarters of it. So you'd think I'd be energized. But um, yeah, Redbud Coffee, they've been a partner of ours for several months now. They have a rotating collection of roasts from around the world, uh, Brazil, Costa Rica, Kenya, etc., um, you can go check those out. They sell them ground or whole bean. They, um, and various sizes. So if you're a coffee junkie or if you're buying coffee for like your whole church, you can do that. They have bulk sizes. Uh, again, go to redbudcoffee.com. Use the code happy rent at checkout. You get a 10% discount off of your entire purchase. So it doesn't matter how much you order. Just use the code happy rent. You get the 10% off and the great coffee. Awesome pipe. Thank you. And if you're in New York, LA, or Miami, make sure and stop by their their in person locations. Um, I mean, don't because going out makes you a monster, but theoretically do. Um, boys, it's apropos of today's topic uh, since we're talking about the Bible, formative experiences with the Bible. Um, the Dwell Bible is still in a relationship with us, a healthy relationship, um, one that I hope lasts forever. Quite frankly. Um, Pipe, let's just get all the business out of the way up front. Tell us about Dwell Bible. Yeah, so the episode today, we're going to talk about, I don't know, childhood experiences with the Bible, when the Bible became meaningful, favorite stories. It kind of makes me wonder if somebody is going to include Dwell in their story like 15 years from now. You know, I used to listen to this awesome audio Bible app that I heard about on the Happy Rant, and it really changed my life. Let's hope so. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so Dwell is an audio Bible app. We have partnered with them for, uh, really what, like two years now, something like that. It's been a while. Um, and they have, it's not just a straight audio Bible though. They have a whole bunch of features and plans and different things built in to help people engage scripture. Well, uh, they just rolled out a sleep feature. So if you are looking to, you know, if you've had the habit of going to sleep, watching TV or listening to a podcast or whatever, you can actually listen to scripture. You can turn on the sleep timer. It'll shut off after a certain amount of time. So you don't, you know, miss four chapters of second Samuel or something like that. Um, they have, it's, it's just a great way to get scripture into kind of the cracks and margins of your life the commutes, the exercise, whatever. So go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant, dwellapp.io slash happy rant to check it out as well as to get a 20% discount on your subscription. It's less than $2 a month, very affordable, well worth your well worth your time to go look at it and your money. Again, it's dwellapp.io slash happy rant. You should go check that out. Two years, Pipe, we've been with Dwell. I feel like we're getting to know them at a deeper level now. You know, it was kind of like the first few months were like the honeymoon, you know, and, and everybody was so excited. But like now we've, we've been with Dwell day to day. Their their beauty is becoming deeper and, and richer as the relationship yeah, kind of And we took, we took a little break, uh, you know, during spring and summer. Granted, I think everybody took a break from everything because COVID sucks. But, um, you know, there's sort of that necessary like distancing in a relationship to really evaluate where this is going. And, and we decided it was... It was well worth the commitment, and they decided Absolutely. the same thing. 
I don't want to call it a separation. It was more like we just took like a long business trip. And when we got back, they were waiting at the airport. Yeah, are there sabbaticals in relationship, Ronnie? Are there sabbaticals Mm. in relationships? Because that's really what that felt like. It wasn't. It wasn't a like a hard breakup as much as a kind of a planned upon time apart for for mutual benefit. Uh, Yeah, he's not interested in this. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he wasn't even listening. What pipe was everything was a hundred percent true. Ronald wants to get social social issues causes but we're not going to get to that today we're we're going to talk about the bible, the bible um is a social issue and cause Ted. oh my gosh dude <sighs> fascinating no this is this is great we're gonna we're gonna do a whole episode on on that but uh but today we're gonna talk about hold on i love expect this side like this is just like this is the drum i never stop beating or something dude that, it is it's fascinating that's how really is that pl- funny. <laughs> is that is that a is that a real life thing or is that a thing you just use to like needle us? You mean is that the thing that I've said like three times in the last five years on the on the pod? Yeah, that. Well, yeah, but yeah, but, but like three hundred and three times episodes. in the last three weeks. Yeah, it's that's it. it. Yeah, it's been it's been. I like just say it because for some reason it legitimately seems like it riles you up, Big T, and I like that. It's, it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world right now. Like, um, and it's a new. It's I, here's what it is. It doesn't rile me up so much as it's just like a new it's a new and surprising pivot for you. And oh, I wonder true. how much of it is how much of it is real life and how much of it is like put on That's for because the show. it's not a pivot. It's just kind of keeping in like with the funniness of the pod and maybe throwing some uh, some curveballs, you know, to use a baseball. The Dodgers just won the World Series analogy. Yeah. Shout out the Dodgers. Shout uh, out to Ron Say, Steve Garvey. And yeah, man, uh, if. Great. It's really amazing Great. seeing a team like the Dodgers with just, you know, baseball's smallest payroll, tiny oh, market. I know, just real, hard scrabble. Just David know? and Goliath yeah. story there. Rags I felt to riches story. So proud of those those tough little scrappers. Hype, right. I literally, like, it's so funny because I, like, I literally, I know what you're talking about, except I don't know what you're, ta- what you're talking about. Are the Dodgers, are do they rival the Yankees with payroll and all that kind yes. of stuff? I just literally oh. have to yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're the West Coast Yankees. They're probably yeah them them and the they it's they probably don't even have a dollar valuation on the team because it's like I don't know you'd have to trade an entire metro area to to get the Dodgers. They they have picked up all the expensive free agents from other teams in recent years. Well, them and the Yankees or in trades. So yeah, they. So I mean, hundred million plus like budget compared. Oh, to the like yeah, two or three hundred million. Uh and oh, okay. Wow, okay. they. Yeah, they uh, now they're a well-run team. They don't just buy players. They've also developed team young guys, and they're really smart. But yeah, they have all the advantages too. Has it always been that way? Ah, uh, because you only all- hear that ever said about the Yankees, and maybe it's because the Yankees developed that, you know, developed that budget and that reputation before the Dodgers. I'm I'm well, asking I, an question. I, I think yeah. it was because the Yankees are owned by the Steinbrenner family. Who is? Yeah. They're sort of like pathologically competitive, and they're, a, they're a, right. they just sort of like they're like if we want it, we go buy it, and they just so, buy players like yeah. willy nilly, like they get the biggest stars from like other teams. And right, the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers yeah, have been more like the, pri- the prior ownership was more like this is a money printing machine, so we'll put money into it and we'll buy some players. But they were never super smart about investing in the team. They just sort of signed guys here and there, and then they made a ton of money because it's this massive market, great TV revenue, whatever. And in the last few years, 
they've done a lot better job of putting their money to work for them. And that's how they have been, you know, one of the best teams in the National League for several years and, and now won the World Series. Well, boys, that's why I really prefer teams like the Oakland A's who have like GMs like Brad Pitt working there for them. There you go. There you go. I, you know, Maybe I'm, I'm kind of surprised you didn't watch even one inning of the World Series, given that you're that, that the great John Martin's team was uh, was playing. I thought that like nostalgia would pull you into a couple of broadcasts at least. I mean, I don't have like I don't have cable like I, I don't have TV. So it's like I, I really could. I mean, maybe I'll watch like a maybe I'll watch like a, you know, I don't know. I'll watch a clip or something so that my when my dad, who is no doubt rolling in his grave right now out of joy and happiness, yeah. he'll know that I'm still with him. I'm how, how how yeah. disappointed is he in you that you haven't that you haven't watched? Oh, like, from, I mean, if we're gonna count the disappointments of John F. Martin to his son Ronald J. Martin. I mean, baseball is probably you know <laughs> probably outside the top twenty, but it's close. You know? Okay. All right. So, so yeah, your, your lack of interest in baseball isn't like the, it's the not like on the team. Mount Rushmore of disappointments. I mean, I played the game. So I played the game with John F, which is what we call them. Um, yeah, yeah. Like when I would, when I, when I would go to the house, I mean, I'd always like be watching Dodger games with him, asking him about the players, you know, commenting on the outfits. Do they yeah, yeah, remind yeah. me, John F, do they wear white at home games or away games? Like the stuff that I just could never remember or get my head wrapped around, he would help. And he's just dying inside as you're asking these like rudimentary questions about I mean, maybe about or he's just pumped that like somebody in the family he's asked pumped that you're taking an interest absolute because yeah. your your mom didn't take an interest at all she didn't join him in that in i don't the, even in know if she knew what a baseball was if you put like a baseball a soccer ball and a football in front of her i don't know which one she'd pick she was busy driving that huge van she was busy driving a huge van, and now, now that I said that and made her look like she's not intelligent, and since she listens to the program now after last week's app, like I'm, I might be in massive trouble right now. I don't Dude, has the has the mom app dropped yet? Uh, no, it has not yet. We it will well, it'll probably drop today or tomorrow. There has been a slight delay in production. Today being last week, by the time our listeners, yeah, are by here. the time the yeah, listeners yeah. will have heard it, uh, if they're faithful listeners, and of course everyone who who's tuning into this is. Yeah, this is getting all Christopher Nolan and confusing right now, man. I know. Yeah, we're we're playing with chronology. We're we're elite now. Um, this is what all the great ones do. But I want to lean into this a little bit. I think this is an interesting topic. Like, what's what's on the Mount Rushmore of ways that you've disappointed your parents? Like both of you, and 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 me too. Um, I, I think this is low key a fascinating topic uh, because we're all three parents now and. We we were all three children, of course, at one time. So, like, ways that you've disappointed your parents. Oh, man. Uh, I feel like all the ways that I've disappointed my parents are things that are like, they, they would disappoint any parent. So it wasn't like my parents had very specific expectations and I was, I, you know, didn't, didn't take the right job or didn't do well enough in school. It was more like, no, I was just an abject moron. I got caught doing something really stupid or mm. sinful or something. And, and so their disappointment was much more for my soul than it was like, oh, you were not Any the outward thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't, you didn't get into the grad school that we had lined up for you. You didn't, you know, whatever they didn't, my parents didn't try to arrange my future very specifically. So I didn't, thankfully I wasn't a disappointment in that way. I just managed to do it in lots of other ways. Right. Mm. right. What about you, baby? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably the same a little bit. Um, I think, you know, my dad was so resolutely like blue collar, mm-hmm. you know, good values, morals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, kind of the American way, you know, meat and yeah. potatoes. He was that guy. And I really, you know, I was I became so artistic at some point that I just I sort of not not like I, I didn't do it overtly and I didn't do it as a way to be against him. I never did anything to be right, against right, right. Him. But it was just the the path and the direction I took. It was so foreign to my dad and how he grew up and who he was that I I, I guess it would have been disappointing in as much as he just didn't understand it. And um, but he oddly knew that as a dad or, or as as a dude that was trying to be a good dad, he needed to support it. So yeah. when I when I look back on pops, I, I just see a guy who had this weirdo kid that he was e- internally in conflict with. But he knew he didn't want to be just because he was so different from himself. Sure. That that had to have been disappointing when the guy laid his head down on his on his pillow at night wondering, like, what have I done and what is this all coming to? Dude, it's like the scene in Zoolander where um, where John like the the blue collar bar, you know, like slugging back. Slugging back beers and everybody's talking about their like tough guy sons and, and his son is a male model, you know. Because uh, wasn't your brother exactly. kind of an artistic weirdo in the same way? What's that? Wasn't your brother kind of an artistic weirdo in the same way? No. So Jason was – he's an artistic guy, but he was never an artistic weirdo. So he would have been more of like a <laughs> – <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy that you leaned so heavily into wokeness and political correctness the last three episodes, and now we're back to calling creative people weirdos. This feels – I feel at home now. Since I am one, you know, um, but uh-huh. he was uh, he's more of like a blue collar artist where it's like, let's just uh, let's just let's just make the art. But we're not going to pontificate about it or get like deep about it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're just going to we're just going to do it. And we're not going to make a big deal about it. Right. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. For sure. For sure. So so that would have that would have aligned much more. That would aligned with the, with the old guy a lot, yeah. a lot better than me. Like having weird haircuts and stuff like that. He didn't do that, dude. Now, where do you think the uh, the you guys got your artistic streaks? Was it from the old guy, or was it from like somebody else in your lineage, or how did that come about? Dude, I don't know. People have asked us that, and I don't know where that came from. I, I don't. I really don't know. It, there was nothing. We can't pinpoint it anywhere mm-hmm. on uh, on either side. To be honest, not That's not strange. a lot of musicians, not a lot of artists. Um, uh, yeah, man, I I don't I don't know. It's just uh, it was it was the rebel in me, you know. Huh. I'm a rebel. I was gonna say maybe it was growing up in like idyllic, isolated farmland, spending all that time listening to eight tracks in the van and going to like a a prohibitively conservative Christian school that just sort of like sque- squeezed the creativity out of you. It was like this has to come out because there's there's not an outlet for normalcy anywhere. I mean, yeah, that's probably true, right? But I was like, I was doing weird junk at like five years old before all that happened, even. So I don't, Dude, I don't like, know. What? what are you doing at five? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just. Were you just, into at like, five? Cool. I'm like, I'm like writing my own song books, and I'm like, I'm like wearing weird clothes, and I'm like listening to weird music, and I'm, uh-huh. and I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I just loved all that kind of stuff. So I don't. I, it's, I'm sure what Pipe just said helped down the road when I could sort of make it into something for sure that that probably had a had a uh, had a part in it but I want to uh, lean into something that you said you you uh, characterize yourself as a rebel like do you <laughs> do you feel that you've always been rebellious 
I just hate the status quo. The do you, status do you, do you always need something to rebel against? Like, even if conditions are as perfect as they can be in a fallen, broken, bankrupt world, like, um, are you are you always going to find something to push against? I'm just I curious. Don't, I don't know. This isn't I, a value judgment at all. I no, not at all. I like being in this. I like being the weird guy in the system. I like being in the system, but being the quirky weird guy in yeah. the system. But I still want to be in the system. Let me let me say this then. This is why Piper and I think like Kansas City is the perfect metro area for you because <laughs> it's the it's maybe the most like beige khaki metro area in in the country and it allows you to be the cool weird guy or the cool old guy, the cool middle aged cool old the cool the, yeah, the cool upper middle aged guy. Right. Um speak to that. How does that like how does that feel that statement? I I mean veracity truth to that a little bit. I, I guess, man. I, I don't know. Is it that's that's the heart of the Midwest? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I don't know. I'm you know. I'm it's willing the bread to give it, basket right there, man. I'm willing to give it a try, Big T. Let me just say that I'm open to options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm open to Jackson, Tennessee. I, you tell me. I don't know. I think it would be more fun. Yeah, Jackson's a nice place. I love Jackson. I, I think though it would be more fun to rebel in Kansas City. There would be more of a palette, more of like a canvas for rebellion there. Um. I don't well, know. Rebellion I, looks different as you get older, too, man. You know, rebellion is so, so totally ridiculous and, you know, it's a little more subtle and, yeah, you know. Well, and, yeah. It, and yeah, and it's yeah. super it's super contextual because, like, Rob Bell was the rebel in Grand Rapids, which yes, he's, dude, he which wasn't the super. rebel anywhere else. He was just like kind of a, a predictable left lean. And yes. you're like, oh, this is just liberalism repackaged with spiky he's hair. He's like the least rebellious rebel that ever lived, basically. Right. Oh, every ladies and gentlemen. Dude, and the minute he got to LA, he got like a thousand percent boring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, you take right. him out of Grand Rapids and the shtick doesn't work anymore. Yeah, the minute he started dating Oprah, it was like, oh cool. There's Robbie. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think know I think is. Ronnie would be like a unicorn in a place like Jackson. You know, just pre- present Ronnie, not like you don't know. You don't have yeah. to like redo, redo yourself because we've got like a Ronnie community in Jackson, though, which is weird. Really? We've got like the well, yeah, we've got like the midtown, like breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back for how like woke we are. And like we, we've got like a little enclave of that here in Jackson. <laughs> and how offended um, is Ronnie at that description and being lumped well, no, in? No, with no, it? no, no, no. I'm not saying that's where Ronnie's this at. I'm just saying we we have like a little bit of a thriving hipster community. It would be like the East Nashville of here, except it's way smaller. Um, but we do have it. You know what I mean? Where in Kansas city probably has that too, but um, I feel like every Metro area has like an enclave of quote, super unique people um, that are all the same wherever or you go. Just like but all the uh, unique people elsewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, th- I think he could thrive in Jackson. I actually think he could thrive at my, at my college. Um, I, I think my college is ready for a Ronnie, like in the Bible department. Um, I think that would be a good fit. Get that uh, D man more than a dude just sliding into home base, AKA the Bible department, man. Dude, just sliding into the Bible department, you know? I mean, but, it's, a, but it's Hey, a at least play. they, at least they pay really well. Well, yeah, dude, you're going to have riches beyond your wildest dreams. Get ready for that. 
I mean, get get ready to buy that lake house you've been looking at for a while. Seriously, how bad? Let's just can we just be honest for a second? Yeah. How, how bad are the salaries at, at, at institutions like that in departments? Yeah. That team? Okay, how, so I, I've got to tiptoe lightly around this. Yeah, because t- I know tiptoe. You can you can talk in generalities. I'll say this: um, Jackson is a very affordable place to live. And I, I don't know what everybody else makes. Like, I'm of that generation, and you're probably like this too, baby. Like, like growing up where I grew up in the Midwest, like, you didn't talk about money with people. Like, right. you didn't talk about how much you made relative to how much they make or whatever. But, like, I'll say this. The Lord's been kind. We're able to live a nice life in Jackson on what we make at the university. Um, so it's it's not, like... Okay, so there, there, there's a certain personality type that likes to go all martyr about like teaching yeah. at a Christian college, and these are the people that delude themselves. This is fascinating. Um, these are the people that delude themselves that like if they hadn't like lowered themselves to teaching at a Christian college, they would just be raking financially elsewhere. That's what it's all like, bro. My elementary Christian schools used to just like, oh, dude, yeah, they're convinced that they would be like it would be raining money if they but, went quote unquote into industry. To be it fair, like, though, there's a there's lot of no money. Place for you in industry. But there's there's a lot of money in in that philosophy doctorate, though, Ted. Like, what am I missing? Oh, of course, great buck in that racket. You know, I mean, you're just gonna, you know, you're you're gonna, it's gonna be raining money. They, but no, they like, they too could manage a Chick Fil A somewhere. <laughs> exactly, dude. My philosopher friends are gonna come at me now. Um, no, they they won't. Um, it's all right. They just have a lot yeah. of questions and no answers. It's it's just a fun. lot of a lot of questions and no answers. Kind of like the emerging church, and that did sell well for a while. Um, there was like a good buck in the emerging church from I don't know 2004 to 2007. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, baby, it's it's not so bad. It's not as bad as people make it sound, and it probably depends on the school too. I mean, there's a wide spectrum of like financially healthy Christian schools to like ones that are barely making it. Yeah. What it makes a huge difference where the school is too. Like I was talking mm-hmm. to a friend who's on faculty at Wheaton recently and oh. you know, he he made the comment that Wheaton doesn't pay that well, but he was speaking in reference to living in Wheaton, which is just bonkers expensive. Yeah, just whereas miserable. Jackson is a way more affordable place to live. So the same salary at the two places is probably like getting a twenty percent raise moving from Wheaton to Jackson on the same salary or something. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean the 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 like Chicago area, you're living in like a hovel if you teach at Whedon. I don't know. I assume. <laughs> um, but the other thing you run into at Christian colleges is that a lot of people who like teach at these places and it, and it seems to be the same people that do the like, what was me thing about money. They like they have rich families, like they come from money, you know, so they're, they're not living like a bad that's, life. That's how you end up with a philosophy degree. Dude, that's it. Because that's you, how you end up with an English or a philosophy degree. You've had you the luxury of sitting around and reading and thinking your whole life instead of Somebody you know, in your doing life stuff. Worked hard at some point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know. There's there's lots of ways to to mm. make it work, but uh, but it's I'll, I'll say this, baby. It's not a bad lifestyle. Like I really enjoy it. I enjoy the lifestyle. What's your favorite uh, part about it, Big Team? Um, honestly, like. Being around, and this is going to sound so cliche, but I'll unpack it. Like being around young people who, like when I get students, they always have new ideas. You know what I mean? And they they are they're enthusiastic about life and about what they want to do in a way that people our age just aren't. 
Um, people our age, like no, no, no shade at anybody in particular, but people are people are just boring when they get to be our age. Like all they want to talk about is their kids or their diet or some boring <laughs> crap like that. And like young people just start boring in that same way, you know. And um, it's kind of a their it's kind of a pleasure. <laughs> They're what? Their kids or their diet. It's so true, dude. It's so true. Is it not true though? Oh, they're like, bro. I'm doing. Yeah, I'm doing keto. I'm feeling really good. It's like I would literally rather have you like kick me in the junk than have this conversation with you. You know, <laughs> that's how boring it is. But um, but yeah, no, the kids are a lot of fun, man. They bring a lot of energy and and life. And I don't know. I ask them about their backgrounds and stuff, and that's always really fascinating. And it's it's a good it's a good deal, man. It's a good little. Gig. What do you like about the sketch? Dude, the sketch is nice. The sketch is like, and this is going to run more like person to person. Um, the sketch is theoretically nice in the sense that you do get your summers off. You get a nice long break over Christmas, but like, it, I kind of work all the time and never relax. So like, it's not as, as amazing and idyllic for me as it could be. I'm trying to make it more amazing and idyllic by like not doing so much in the summers. Um, mm. but I've, I've not been super successful at that. So, um, I would love to have that idyllic, you know, Oh, it's summer and I'm just, chilling for three months, but, um, that really hasn't, hasn't been the case for me. Um, and part of that is like, I still can't like leave money on the table. You know what I mean? So if somebody dangles a little speaking gig or a book or whatever, I'm, I'm just doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, that's probably more of a me problem than a schedule problem, but, but the schedule is nice. The schedule is theoretically very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. But I'll say this too, if you're good at it, like I think the, the, the professors that take their work seriously and really are good at it, they work really hard, you know, like you're not sitting around during the day, like you're meeting with students and advising and serving on committees and, and just doing stuff that like keeps you busy. And the ones that are, you know, just kind of playing out the string and, and I don't know, resting on their tenure or whatever, they're, they're probably the ones that are no good at it. Anyway, you know, strong, strong parallel with the pastor at there in terms of those who are good at it versus. uh, Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Yeah. But how do you um, let me ask you something, man, like for somebody that, you know, so you could just run off that syllabus every year or is it something where the good teachers are constantly like refining? Yeah, I think you're constantly refining because for me and you're probably this way, too. I get bored really easy. So like I tweak the syllabus just for my own edification. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be bored. So I'm always like kind of throwing new stuff at them and doing different things. And there are, there are things that stay static that, that stay the same from year to year. Like some of the content that I want to cover doesn't change, but the way I cover it changes, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And my guess is you would be the same way. Like you'd probably get bored doing the same stuff in the same way year after year. I mean, it's, um, it's the same sermon every week, but yeah, I get your point. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and the good thing about being good pastors like you guys are, and also shout out to Pipe. He's now officially a man of the cloth um, in, in that he – can I talk about this, Pipe? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to let any, anything out of that. <laughs> no, you're not outing me. It's fine. Yeah. Piper, Piper passed his ordination exam, Big R. So he's, you, guys, you guys are colleagues now in a way. That's I mean, big, we've always I, been colleagues uh, on the show. That's big. 
Yeah, I'm 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 in a limbo state as it stands though because I passed my ordination exam and now they're well. Let's see, this will this will be yeah this will be released after people find out. But uh, then it'll be announced to the church and then there's like a month of of uh, you know people getting a chance to get all their questions answered and then there's a vote. So like end of November we'll find out if I'm an employed pastor or just an ordained guy. Mm. There we go. There we wow, go. that's big. Five. Congrats, man. And yeah. to clarify, it's at the church I'm already at. I'm not pastoring elsewhere for listeners. I'm not moving anywhere. I like my church. Dude, I'm betting on pipe on this one. I'm buying a lot of pipe stock right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to pass. I mean, I think we'll all be surprised when it gets announced that he he didn't pass. So I, I, yeah, I'm going to bet on it. Yeah, yeah. Let's bet on pipe. Let's bet on pipe. Um, but yeah, it, does that help, baby? I think I think you would you would approach the boredom in the same way. And I'll say this too. Back to like parental disappointments. I think the thing that disappointed my parents the most is probably similar to yours, Big R, in that I just like freelanced for 15 years. And I mm-hmm. think what they wanted more than anything for me was to like go to work for a solid company and never quit. And, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just have benefits and pay, which which I do have that now. But it is getting a little boring. I mean, it, it, it the nature of it is that it gets boring. And I think you have to to keep it interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, baby, I get it, man. I, I, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting because I, it just, I think like our generation takes a little bit longer to get to some of, of those, like those kind of stable societal elements that yeah. our generation got to like at 19. Yeah. Know? Well, and to be clear, my parents were absolutely right. And I wish I'd done this a long time ago, but I had to like, I had to do the, the Gen X angsty BS thing of, of, I don't know, seeking fulfillment, <laughs> which is stupid. You mean but, seeking uh, fulfillment that the boomers are never going to allow us to have? Yeah, that. Correct. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I've never been mad at the boomers. Maybe it's just because I had nice parents, you know, like mm-hmm. I really legitimately had exceedingly nice parents. So, yeah. well, let me just um, put it to you like this. Um, if, if you were, if you were not a Gen Xer, you would be you'd be the president of the university that you're just a prof at right now. Well, so. dude, and that's interesting because I have no, absolutely no interest in being administration of any kind. Right. So I, th- I think that's a good point. You, know you would never get it anyway. Right. It's just taken all of the ambition out of you. Correct. Yeah. Well, for that. Definitely. Okay. Counterpoint. It could have taken the ambition out of you or it, it you, through freelancing for 15 years and arriving at this place late, you have a greater sense of the kind of thing you want to do for as long as you were employed. The only Whereas, reason why you freelance for 15 years is because you knew there was no hope. There was no other path. Well, no, I just mean like it the, arriving at the place where you're like, yeah, I don't want that promotion because that's work that I would hate. Yeah. Is it's kind of historically an anomaly because, uh, you know, do you want to climb the ladder, get as high as possible? But there's something to be said for being like, no, I'm a better teacher than I would be an administrator. You know, I'm a better, yeah, I'm a, I'm a better a creator than I am manager of creators, etc. Yeah, no, all totally. that's true, except for if there's not even a ladder to begin with, you don't, you don't, you're not trying to take that first step anyway. The boomers well, think, said, we're not, we are not putting down the ladder to you. Sorry. And and maybe the maybe one of the key sort of ethics of Gen X was to not believe in the ladder. You know what I mean? Like the latter wasn't a thing that we looked at and went, ooh, that's attractive. I want to do that. Um, and in fact, disdaining and like eschewing the latter, it was a part of like 
the quote unquote theology of Gen X, you know, um, w- would you agree with that, Bigar? Yeah, I mean, I, I would. I'm being mostly funny, but I think. No, no, no I know. But, it, but there's a I, grain of like interest in this for me. I think the general cynicism that Gen Xers kind of get like, you know, level that is because, again, you're kind of looking at this generation that has, you know, that kind of betrayed their values. They mm-hmm. they came into power. And because we have good medicine now and they don't die, they basically said, and we are going to keep that power. Yeah. And well, to be fair, like I'm ready to betray my values now. Like I'm I'm ready to have the money that they have. That's so, what I'm saying. But like, but they yeah. set up a system now to where it's gonna go to the, the generation that's coming up behind us, which basically mm-hmm. are gonna be more like boomers than we ever could possibly well, imagine. Well, dude, and they and they totally are. And and being they that totally- I like that I teach them for a living, like they really have no interest in values or like artistic integrity. Like they, they want to be famous and they want money. Um, which yeah, is kind gonna, of, they're going yeah, to get it. They're going to get it, which is kind of refreshing. And it's like, um, I don't know, like na- nakedness, I guess, you know, I mean, they're not, isn't, is it, I, if I heard you correctly, you said they're the most like the boomers. Or did I you say the opposite? So. Okay. I I think, I think because we skipped a generation, our generation got passed over and forgotten about. So I think the the power is not going to go to us. So it's going to go to the generation. I think it's going to just end up falling into the hands of the, the generations below us. Because it well, kind of it, – It's because we spent too many years like uh, – whining about how we didn't want power it's our it's our own fault no i I don't think the power is going to skip generations i think it's going to be spread out because the new climb the ladder is start your own thing which means everybody has power over very little so and then there's going to be like half a dozen people who turn into the next you know jeff bezos or whatever and they're like oh well you guys all started your own little bitty things but i have capital so i'm going to buy your little bitty things and and so it's going to be I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be like a handing off of power as much as it is everybody just tries to start their own thing and it's a world of like mediocre entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think I think you're right about that pipe. Because by definition not every entrepreneur can be a great one, you know, and a lot of ideas are mediocre. And a lot of and by statistics most entrepreneurial ventures fail. That's it. Yeah. But yet everybody thinks theirs is going to be amazing. Um, which is, which is both the like seductive part of it that you, you, you use it to like ignore the reality that it's probably going to fail. Um, I don't know. It's fascinating. Like the, the, the headspace behind all that stuff is really interesting to me. Um, baby, anything else to add on like Gen X stuff? This is good. I think we, we wanted to be, we wanted to be the Ethan Hawke character in the movie and not the Ben Stiller character. In in reality bites, do you ever see reality bites, baby? Yeah, we're Ben. Yeah, you did. You don't want to admit that you did because it's a little no, mainstream for you. But it didn't. But yeah, it, did, but, it didn't speak to me. But I, I, I did see it. It, of it wasn't it British speak, enough. Uh, yeah, it didn't speak to me either. But it was sort of. It's a time capsule of a certain like ethos. You know what I mean? Um, and I think you know the the next generation. It wouldn't even like resonate with them on any level. Um, but people of a certain age understand like what what statements like that mean. Um, wow, this has been this has been fun, you guys. Here's the deal. Let me just level with you. We're at like 35 and a half minutes. Um, we haven't gotten even remotely into the topic that we had planned to get into today. 
Um, but this has been for me at least, and I want to hear you guys on this. It's been surprisingly good. Um, where are we at on that? Where are we at on both the goodness of how this has been versus like, do we want to keep going? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, oh, I think yeah. it's surprising. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's one of those apps where we just kind of go, all right, didn't see that coming. I mean, there's yeah. something about every app we do that is like that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, this isn't an all timer. I'm not saying I this mean, goes on like, I, I have to say that I'm utterly shocked that Gen X guys really love to talk about how Gen X was forgotten. It's just totally out of left field. It caught me completely off guard. It's way off brand. Um, Just also Gen X guys being totally obsessed with themselves. What a surprise, man. I'm yeah. So this is, this has been a real novel experience for me guys. We had really bad parenting experiences. So we're just, we need, somebody needs to love us and care about us. You know, I mean, Right. Except I mean, not- I think we both had like above average parenting experiences. In my case, like I had a great one. I can't blame my parents for anything. Everything that's gone wrong in my life is absolutely a thousand percent my own. Fault. I mean, uh, you got a lot of rose colored glasses about your parents, T. We got We got to break I that. Oh, man, I do. That's- Wait, what do you what do you like? Do you think there are things about my parents that I'm like glossing over? Certainly not. I don't know your parents, but nothing yeah. can be that great. And I mean, dude, you have some significant things you bring to the table that makes me think. There has to be something there. There's something. Oh, there's something interesting. There, go, you know? go, go a little deeper into that. Well, I don't like, know that I can. We don't have a lot of time because you have a hard out, you know. So yeah, well, I, I, I do. I will. I will say having rose-colored glasses about your parents is is uh, is a great way to get older, because I I've watched people in in our kind of collective generation kind of come to terms with their parents and sometimes that means reconciliation like they had a there was a lot of resentment and then they came to a place of better relationship a lot of times it means like i i learned who my parents really were Mm. and it breaks things down in unnecessary ways and so yeah i think i think uh i mean as long as you're not like blocking out trauma (laughs) i think you're probably at a great spot and it's like yeah i don't all the all the stuff that wasn't great can is was not significant enough to be defining. That sounds really great to me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. What you just yeah, said. not not significant enough to be defining. I think is a good way to put it. And um, yeah, I mean, of course they weren't perfect, but I think at the end of the day, they did the best they could with what they had. And yeah, like I'm loyal to them. You know, like they were they were loyal to me, so I'm loyal to them. Um, but but yeah, not to the extent exclusion of any any sort of like great truths or whatever um i don't know we could we could do we could do therapy at part two next week we could go deep into our parents um that would i'm sure be fascinating for american kid i think that's what it comes down to i think it's and and again there's not one generation that i i mean that's probably not entirely true either but there's how different generations how they prepared their kids how they coddled their kids you Dude, know, no, there's some major coddling taking place like now, like the way our generation coddles their kids is now I sound like an old person. It's it's kind of borderline unconscionable. It's like criminal, you mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it's a weird like tightrope that we walk in the college business where it is mom and dad who are writing the checks. So we can't go too hard at them for like basically moving to Baby. Like moving to college with their kids. I mean, it's 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 all but like back to school minus the humor. You know, the the Dangerfield movie from the eighties. Um, but there's a there's a lot of like there's, hyper involvement. 
There's a competitive side of me that absolutely loves that though. Cause I feel like for Talk any of us that, who are, that. any of us who are steadfastly against coddling our kids, which is uh, not the same as not loving our kids for you listeners who might be, you know, pearl clutching right now. Uh, I feel like we are setting our kids up to run roughshod over a bunch of sensitive mama's boys who never I learned how so to solve too. a problem on their own or be resilient in the face of difficulty. Yeah, no, I agree, Pipe. And I, I talk about that very thing with my students all the time. Like there's a massive opportunity here if you can develop even like a modicum of grit. Um, there, there's going to be, yeah, a lot, a lot that you can do. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. There's more I could say about the coddling, but, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm 85 years old. Um, also, I think, I think we're at that place in life though, where we can, like, we can have a foot in the, like, I'm a hurt Gen Xer and also I'm 85 years old and grumping at the young kids. So it's, it's kind of a great, I think that's the, that's like the high point of the middle age. Honestly, you can just sort of lean into either. Yes, both of those things you described are are very fun in their own way. Um, it's it's a sometimes a blast to be the hurt Gen Xer, and it's also super fun to be the cranky like old dude. Um, so let's let's embrace both. I think that's the message of the program, um, which is probably a way worse message than the original thing we were going to talk about. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's what we ended up doing today, boys. And uh, you know what we did? We got in the studio this morning. It's early. And we made some radio. Yeah, so, we had some uh, grit. We overcame some adversity did. and did we this thing. We overcame some things. I mean, we 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 all three woke up in our really nice houses and boys and girls. You too, you too could coffee. achieve this level of greatness with some grit. Absolutely, you too could computer in your really nice, comfortable house and talk about yourself for forty five minutes. This is the very definition. This is what John Martin wanted for you all those years, baby. Um, <laughs> just punching the clock, just being a lunch pail guy on this program. Um, yeah, building up those calluses on your vocal cords and your ego. That's mm. it, dude. That's it. We've made our dads proud this morning, boys. Um, they they can they can hold their heads a little bit higher knowing that we blow via our computers for forty five minutes, doing what we always do, boys, wandering to and fro throughout a few topics and until next time the happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings if you go to resonaterecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer so if you're considering starting a podcast they are the ones we recommend going with again go to resonaterecordings.com to see their prices to connect with them and ask any questions and to see what they can do to help you launch edit master and improve your podcast Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.